Our scripture lesson this morning is long. <laughs> it's John chapter 9 in its entirety, which is verses 1 to 41. So listen now for God's word to you today. As Jesus walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's work might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent us while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Then he went and washed and came back able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, It is he. Others were saying, No, but it is someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes, and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also began to ask him how he had received his sight. He said to them, he put mud on my eyes, then I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And they were divided. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man said, he is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and he had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but we do not know how it is that now he sees, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that anyone who confessed Jesus to be Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, he is of age ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been born blind. And they said to him, give glory to God. 
We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, I do not know whether he is a sinner. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Then they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Here is an astonishing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but he does listen to one who worships him and obeys his will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born entirely in sins, and are you trying to teach us? And they drove him out. Jesus heard that they had driven him out. And when Jesus found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir? Tell me, so that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment, so that those who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said to him, Surely, we are not blind, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would not have sin. But now that you say, we see, your sin remains. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy God, we thank you for this life. We thank you for the sight that makes us blind. We thank you for your vision. We thank you for your clarity. We thank you for your light and your truth. We thank you for this word. Now may you put into my mouth the words you would have me speak, and take from my mouth those you would not. Amen. So the three images up here are actually taken by me. I don't know, six weeks or so ago, I was on TikTok, and I scrolled and saw a video of someone saying, if you want to know that the universe is working with you, ask for a sign. But be specific. And this woman told a story about how she said, I wanted to see rainbows. And I live in a place that's cloudy a lot, so I don't see a lot of rainbows. And yet my kiddo came home that day from school and had drawn all these rainbows. And it's like, oh, and I'd forgotten she was also wearing a rainbow on her shirt. It's like, oh. And I was like, well, I want a sign. I want a sign. But I'm terrible in these moments when you ask for something specific. I cannot think of anything. And I was like, well, do I want to see rainbows? It's like, no, I can't think of anything specific. Something specific. I can't think of anything. I just want a sign. I want a sign. So several days later, I was driving in Chaco Bottom right by the train station. 
and and I was you know red light and turn green and I looked to my right and the car in front of me had a bumper sticker that said a sign and I chuckled a bit and it took me a minute to connect it in fact I didn't connect it at that point but I was like oh there's a sign and I had this recollection of something but it wasn't even that specific and so then a few days later, I was at MCV, and I pulled into the parking lot, and I saw that Volkswagen parked there with a sign. And I was like, oh my goodness, that's the second time I've seen it. But I realized the first time I saw it, I kind of dismissed it. But then I went, and I was like, well, I'm going to take a picture of this again. And then sure enough, a few days later, I was driving around my neighborhood and I saw that Mazda parked across the street. And I said, oh my goodness, another sign. And then a few days after that, I was with Charles. Um, this was Sunday a couple weeks ago. And I just picked up Charles and we were going to every table. And so we're driving in Church Hill and we passed that Mazda again. And I said, Charles, another sign. And he said, what? And I said, there was a sign. Did you see it? He's like, no. So we turned around. We went all the way around the corner. It's like, I'm going to take a picture. And so it wasn't literally until we were almost parked directly behind this car that I was there taking a picture that Charles finally saw the sign. He saw a sign on the bumper sticker. And I was like, Charles, this is awesome. And I was still in my mind. I was like, do you think this is a sign? And I was laughing at myself because I've literally sat in front of you all and talked about bumper stickers and these wild experiences I've had with bumper stickers. And like, I feel like I've actually said in those moments that like, I want to see more. And yet then when it happens, I literally ask for a sign, a non-specific sign, and I get a very specific, non-specific sign in a form that's already delivered before. It's delivered enough and clearly enough that I've shared it with you all. And I was chuckling as I was reading the scripture for this week, as long as it is, because I, I was laughing at how human this condition is and how just like these Pharisees, how readily I will so go to a place of arguing against the presence of the holy in my life or argue that these signs are not signs. Our brains are very good at convincing us that God is not everywhere, right? That's the veil of our logic, as I've started to think. The, the, the knowledge, the, the veil of knowledge that brings us in that is such a gift and that it helps us understand so many things about the world and yet often is also the greatest hindrance to our experience of the divine, the creator of this world. Now, I want to sit with this text for a bit, though, this morning, because I think it's important to understand what's going on. And I don't want to unpack all of it, because I don't think I can, but I want to unpack a few key things. Um, one of them is that this text within John sits within the book of signs. It's what it's called, the subset of John, where there are these stories that happen that demonstrate Jesus's well, in John, it's very clear that Jesus is there as the Son of God, is very, very strong Christology, right? Jesus is right, kind of floating through very much, and yet also has this beautiful way of being very present. John is the gospel in which Jesus weeps. 
John is the gospel that is very present in this way and yet, yet very, very clear that Jesus and God are there, that his reason for being here leads to the cross through to Easter. But John is its own kind of thing. And so there are these signs that are coming in, and this is the sixth sign. There are seven signs that come. So this is the penultimate sign. So this is where things have kind of built up, right? The seventh sign that comes, which is the complete one, is the raising of Lazarus. Now, in the other Gospels, in the Synoptic Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it is when Jesus turns over the tables in the synagogue that leads, that's the tipping point. That's when they say this is too much. That's when they, that's what leads to the crucifixion. But in John, it is the raising of Lazarus. That's the point when they can look away no more. So we are at this point right before that. I love that they ask two times, not three, but they ask these two times looking for this repetition there, but it's still there is this not quite there. And so what I experience as I'm reading this text is this over and over and over again, this fighting against the reality of what God is doing right in front of their faces. It is so obvious. They ask so many times, even though they just say two times, it is over and over again. Now, what happened? This happened. Jesus took mud, and we see it first, and then we hear it retold at least three times. But how did this happen? Now, are you sure, this is the, are you sure you're the person this happened to? I'm going to ask your parents if they know, right? They're going to ask all, they're looking, they're checking all of the references. They are doing everything they can to deny the reality of God moving among them. And what is it that they are so certain is telling them that it is not God moving among them, but their religion, their beliefs? We are so sure that this is not the way that God shows up, that we are going to fight it tooth and nail. We're going to fight it so much that we're actually going to throw this person out of the church who shows us that God is moving. I said church. This is a synagogue, but it's important that we understand that we're talking about the same thing. We're talking about the religious elite, the people who know the ways that God shows up. Right? And we may not be socially elite, but we are. We're privileged people. We're here just sitting together. We certainly, in this context, as we're talking about Jesus, in a Christian understanding, we are the religious elite. We are the Pharisees, each of us. And it's great because that means that all of these texts were written for us. We have the opportunity to really understand how to live into this gospel message that Jesus is bringing. But I think, I think it's important that we take a minute and really sit with what they're saying here. There is this automatic assumption that the man born blind was born into sin. That somebody had to have messed up for him to be like this. They ask at the very beginning of the passage, they ask Jesus, the disciples ask Jesus, who sinned? Right? Who was responsible for this man's way of being? And Jesus says very clearly, no one. Completely debunks this idea that someone's sin comes, right? Somebody's physical status, their physical, like, and I would say in any way, whether they're suffering or not, their physical being, this person that you have assumed is sinful is actually here 
to show us something about the reality of God, something new about the reality of God. Now, the tricky thing for those of us who think that we know God and those of us who've spent a lot of time in church, especially being told about God again and again, is that we can fall into this trap of saying, no, 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 that's not how God moves. That is not how God moves. So if we cannot put ourselves in the spaces of the Pharisees in this passage, I would gently encourage you to take a little time and to give yourself the grace to see that we all get to be on both sides of these conversations. Because just like we all at times are so fervent, is that a word? We have such diligence in our religious belief that we can miss the movement of God right in front of us. So too are we the man born blind. Now, we may have different lived experiences in that, but I think it's important that we see for all of us that whatever notions of sinfulness that we have or badness about who we are, are not. They are not in alignment with how Jesus sees us in our homes. Does that make sense? I think it's especially important these days as we are at a place in our nation in our world, in our city, in our homes maybe, in ourselves, when we are ripping each other apart. We are scared, we are combative, we are so certain that the other person is the sinner incapable of embodying the message of God that we are fighting tooth and nail against the presence of God anywhere. Now, I fully believe that all this weird stuff, this sign, that me saying out into the universe that I want to see a sign, and then being able to talk to you all about this sign is absolutely a message from the divine. Now, I got to put all my, all my chips are there. I just yesterday, I had a training session, a day-long class on Reiki. Is anybody familiar with Reiki? Now, y'all, this is about to get wacky, right? But it's a form of energy healing. It's a form of presence, right? Now, I got to say that at the end of this class, and, and I will say that for me, one of the most powerful spiritual experiences I ever had was experiencing Reiki. It was when I was in seminary. It was a classmate of mine who was now a Presbyterian minister who was a Reiki master and did this energy healing. Very powerful experience. So I've kind of believed in it. I've had incredible, powerful experiences before in this way, and I'm trusting that the spirit is moving. And yet still, I'm a doctor's kid, right? So at the end of yesterday, it's like before you do Reiki 2, go practice on people. And I'm like, <laughs> and I immediately was aware of my lack of belief. I was immediately aware. I was coming head to head against this, this part of me that knows and trusts, that believes and sees God in the birds because other people are telling me things, these obvious signs that show up, and yet still I'm like, but why through my hands? Because that's what it is, right? I believe we are, we are energy in some way. I think understanding how we function, I think that's actually important. Yes, I think we're here. No, I don't think this is a computer simulation. But yes, I think we need to have a conversation about the nature of reality because I think ultimately we are all one spirit. We are all part of the spirit of God. And I fully believe that that spirit of God is the energy of love that binds us all together. 
And so with that, as I read these words of John, and as I think about my own disbelief in that moment, I have this nudge within me that says, when are you going to actually believe that God really is in everything? That God really is the movement through all of this? And yes, that means you too. That means me too. Because if I'm being honest, it's easier for me to see God moving through a bumper sticker than moving through me. And I think that's, a, I think that's probably an experience we all share. So I'd like you to do something with me real quick. Because the world is, is chaos, right? But what I found is that not only does my perspective change of God and myself, but also of the world, when I can view it through this same lens that trusts and knows that those signs are there. And there's an easy way to do that. What I've been doing is as I look around at the world, now first of all, I'm intentional about how I take in information around the world. Do not spend all day on the news. Do not spend all day on the news. I guarantee you, you will get your information as you need to get your information. The news, however good and balanced it may be, it is there to keep you nervous, to keep you anxious, to keep you tuned in. So take your news in small doses. But allow yourself to see the world. And as you look around, when you have that moment of anxiety, rather than getting pulled into that, give yourself the opportunity to say, God is doing a new thing. Can you say that with me? God is doing a new thing. It is a mantra. It is a practice. You can go into there because anxiety mode, any, whatever your, wherever your brain goes, that's where it's going to go. It can go to nervous over anxious mode. Or it can go to, and it will, it will, it will. But until we start learning that there's another way of being, we're going to go stuck. So give yourself the opportunities you look around just to say, God is doing a new thing. And I'm going to do it too, because I've been head to head against my own belief, and I'm still, we talk about Reiki, that's all, I'm realizing how much I'm like, ooh, I really need to believe more, right? It's, like, it's been a real eye-opening thing. But I think it's important that I'm a doctor's kid saying that, because I think it's important that this energy, that this love that is, is accessible to everyone. And that I absolutely, my dad saved many, many people's lives and did a great deal as a doctor. And I'm not saying that he was not necessary. It's not an either or. It's a both and. It is a both and. God is doing a new thing. I will keep believing that. I will keep proclaiming that. But I think we can actually see a lot more if we do it together. So let's do it together. Amen.